Blog Talk Radio. Mother, help me. Mother, heal me. Please release me from all things worldly that do not serve me. Mother, love me Mother, help me Mother, heal me Please release me From all things worldly That do not serve me Mother Michael's uh, computer is on the fritz tonight, so it's going to be you and I talking about the tree of the 13th moon. Yes, I can't wait. Good. (laughs) So, uh, to catch you up, uh, we have been talking at length about a cycle of trees related to something called the ogham. And the ogham predate the runes. Many people who are into magic know about runes and write things in runes. And, uh, of course, several modern uh, novel projects have included runic writing. And the ogham is pre-runic. It's, it, it, you can see the rune shapes in them. And they're um, more, however, than um, the kind of hieroglyphs or ideograms that we get there. Um, they're, they're more like letters in that they can be used in a variety of ways and don't, shall we say, intrinsically have meanings and yet 
Of course, they are always going to have meanings. A is for apple. A is for alligator. We all learn our alphabet by putting meaning on the letters, even if we then use those letters in ways in which it would be pretty silly to think of apples or alligators. And so Ogum is right there at that nexus, at that node of where our thoughts and our imagination and our language were one thing and expressed all as one thing and not separated out into linear and one thing follows another and one thing causes another kinds of ways that our modern mind has been taught to view the world. So Ogum is in many ways a mental exercise to help ourselves reintegrate with nature. And so of all the many associations there are with the Ogum, and there's more than 13 Ogum, we are simply looking at the 13 trees that go with the 13 lunations of the year, which are also connected to certain Ogum. But that's not to say that we have looked at Ogum as a whole. And um, there are a great many people very interested in Ogum. There's a lot of information available out there. We've looked at several books about uh, tree magic and about Ogum uh, during the, our months of talking about this. And the 13th lunation, of course, if we think of 12 months and we think that there's a full moon every month, then we would miss why there would be 13 lunations. But if we ask ourselves, what is a blue moon? What does it mean to happen once in a blue moon? Because a lunar cycle is 28 days and our months are 30 or 31 days, with the exception of February, that, in fact, those extra few days begin to add up, and they add up to a whole extra month. And that means that every year in one calendar month, there are going to be two full moons. And the second full moon of that month is the blue moon. And so something that happens once in a blue moon happens once a year on that one month. And it's a different month every year, of course, when there are two full moons. 13, the 13th tree is an interesting tree to all of us. Uh, sure that we have all been in buildings or heard about buildings in which there isn't a 13th floor. 13, of course, we are told is associated with bad luck. And we don't want to have anything to do with 13. It's kind of a, hmm, an odd number. And um, yet when we think about it, um, there's nothing odd about 13. In fact, its constituent parts are 1 and 3. And 3 is the number of the goddess. She is maiden, she is mother, she is crone. And so 3 is a number with a lot of magic and a lot of power that we find throughout the world with this understanding of the tripartite. And we see also that it's brought into certain religions where we have a holy trinity so that that, that spiritual connection to the three is very strong. Certainly in fairy tales, European fairy tales, three is always a very important number. And the one um, for almost all, all cultures signifies unity, signifies the self, signifies one thing. And uh, so 13, we could 
translate as um, though she is maiden, she is mother, she is crone, though there is the trinity, nonetheless it is one, and we are all one. And so 13, uh, we then see Holmes a very interesting information for us, which would be very different from the information in 12. Two is about duality. Two is about I'm not this and you're not that. And you can't this and I won't that. And so two is often described as the number of war. Three is about working together. And two is about struggling against, about having opposites. And, of course, we live in a very opposite universe. And so the number 12 would be um, that there are opposites, and we do our best to remember that we are one even within those opposites. Twelve, of course, as I've said before, is the number of the patriarchy. It is the number of being able to divide things and thus to conquer them. And 13 is the number of the matrifocal cultures because it is about unity. It is about us all working together. So, Elder, the tree of the 13th moon, it could be a blue moon, but it's always the last moon of of the year. And before we say goodbye to Elder, I looked up a couple of uh, Elder articles that I had written, and I thought I could bring those to us because Elder, especially, especially Elder Barry, is quite fascinating. Uh, I wrote this um, some months ago. You can tell by the the opening line. says, are you worried about Ebola virus? And, of course, as we remember, there was a time when people were really scared stiff about this. Are you concerned about the flu? And as we're moving into winter, many people are being concerned about the flu, and some are even going after flu shots. Here is a local, scientifically proven, delicious way to stay healthy this winter, no matter what nasty virus is on the loose. It's called elderberry. Elder is Sambucus nigra, the black elder of Europe, or Sambucus canadensis, American elder. And both grow throughout the Northeast. The berries are small and black and usually ready to harvest in September, but may be bought dried at any time of the year and usually for quite a reasonable price. Elderberries are antiviral, anti-inflammatory, anti-infective, antioxidant, and anti-cancer. They also lower blood pressure because they're a mild diuretic, aid in elimination through the intestines because they're a parient, and are anti-diabetic because they not only lower blood sugar but improve the cell's ability to absorb insulin. In the laboratory, elderberry has been shown to kill all viruses. That's it. You take a Petri dish, you put a virus in the Petri dish, you put elderberry extract in there with the virus, the virus is dead. Elderberry in the laboratory in Petri dishes kills all viruses. Now, it's a long, long way from a Petri dish to a human being, but let's see if elderberry can make it. Elderberry is especially virulent against respiratory viruses in Petri dishes. Elderberry has been shown to inactivate all flu viruses, including H1N1 swine flu. Elderberry is at least 99% effective against the avian flu virus H5N1 
and in cell cultures it significantly neutralizes the insectivity of all type A and type B flu viruses. Well, that's pretty good, but we're still just talking about petri dishes. Elderberry is also able to destroy the herpes virus, which causes cold sores in petri dishes. All right. Killing viruses in petri dishes doesn't mean it can do the same thing in the human body, but folklore tells us that elderberry has indeed been relied on for centuries to prevent and treat viral infections. So when we test something out in petri dishes and we find that it does indeed kill viruses and we look and we see that folklore has it that elderberry kills viruses, we got to put one and one together and come up with at least two. Elderberry wine has been used traditionally to prevent and relieve influenza, and elderberry juice is referred to as our medicine chest by people who live in the country. A 2001 study published in the U.S. National Library of Medicine concluded, elderberry is a natural remedy with antiviral properties, especially against many different strains of the influenza virus. A 2004 study found symptoms were relieved on an average four days earlier, and the use of medication was significantly less in those receiving elderberry extract compared with those receiving the placebo. The Natural Standard Research Collaboration, which evaluates natural therapies, examined three human trials using elderberry syrup or lozenges involving a total of 151 patients and found good scientific evidence that elderberry does indeed lessen the severity and shorten the course of influenza. Studies which have tested a standardized elderberry extract against the placebo found that the duration of the flu was shortened by three days in the elderberry users. A lozenge of elderberry extract can reduce flu symptoms if taken within 24 hours of the start of the symptoms. Elderberry extract was used in Israel during the flu epidemic there in 1992-93. The results, within 24 hours, 20% of the patients had dramatic relief from fever, muscle ache, pain, and coughing. By the second day, 73% were improved, and by day three, 90% improved. In the untreated group, after two days, only 16% felt better as composed to the 73% that felt better who were taking the elderberry extract. Again, this is a simple, natural, inexpensive remedy. It's a fruit. If it doesn't help you, and it certainly seems like it could be quite a big help, it isn't going to hurt you at all. Elderberries are exceptionally rich in anthocyanins, which are important antioxidants that aid and nourish the immune system and protect all cells against viral infections. One current scientific hypothesis is that elderberries contain a compound that coats viruses and that prevents them from penetrating and infecting healthy cells. This is not such an odd idea because cranberry does something somewhat 
similar. Cranberry actually spreads a coating compound over the wall of the bladder that prevents bacteria that hook into the bladder wall from hooking in and thus helps to prevent bladder infections as well as helping to get rid of them. And one study found that elderberries aid immunity to viruses by increasing the body's production of inflammatory cytokines. So one of the things that can be frustrating to people who want a little scientific evidence along with their herbal lore is that scientific evidence tends to look at isolated compounds. And herbs tend to be um, anything but isolated compounds. Herbs, in fact, are great conglomerations of many different compounds, some of which uh, might be saying jump up and others of which might be saying lie down. So we can actually have conflicting compounds within any one plant. And the body can then use um, those things to find what some people call its balance and what I call its harmony, that dynamic disequilibrium. Pectin, another coating substance from fruit, is certainly a good example. Pectin can both bind the intestines and so stop diarrhea, and it can help aid fluid movement toward the intestines and so ease and eliminate constipation. There's certainly no drug that's known that could both stop diarrhea and ease constipation at the same time. This is why these plant compounds, especially these coating compounds as held in, in elderberry, apples, cranberries, blueberries, are so protective within the body. Bacteria, as you probably know, can be difficult, especially if they're pathogenic bacteria in and of themselves. But when bacteria grow and reproduce, they link together and form bacterial blankets. And these bacterial blankets are big trouble for our bodies. So the fact that there are these compounds in fruits that coat our mucous surfaces and help to prevent uh, viruses and other things from getting through, I'm also going to suppose that it's going to help prevent bacteria from sticking together and forming bacterial coats. Elderberry has a great many different ways of helping us, and it's one of the reasons why I love herbal medicine, because we simply give our bodies a lot to choose from, and then our bodies, in their wisdom, can make their own best choice. There's solid scientific evidence that phytochemicals in elderflowers and elderberries help reduce swelling in mucous membranes, and that includes the sinuses and the nose. Take that, you nasty cold. There are no restrictions on using elderberry. It's safe for infants, toddlers, adults, even the oldest among us. But remember, you must honor the lady who lives in the elder. Folklore has it that Elder Moore, Frau Holander, old elder woman, is a shaman who's only going to share her gifts with those who ask politely and will strike down those who fail to ask for permission. It's really easy to make elderberry tincture. In fact, I believe there's a YouTube of me making elderberry tincture. 
It's so easy that I'll even just go over it here on the show. Take a beautiful jar of any size and fill it one-third full of elder berries. Then add 100-proof vodka to the jar, filling it to the top, and put a label on it. Let it sit for six weeks or longer, and it is ready to use. You can start taking it by the dropperful now as a flu preventative and take more should you get the flu. I remember one winter when I had the flu so bad that I could hardly move. And it was really elder that got me through. I shudder to think of how sick I would have been if I hadn't had elder right by me. After you have made your elderberry tincture, you have a wonderful remedy and you can go even further. If you want to, you can mix your elderberry tincture with honey or sugar and make elderberry cordial. We're not just doing this because life is about sweet and life is about things that we love uh, being honey and and delicious, but that that sugar, that honey, actually makes the medicine not just go down, but go in better, especially when we're talking about colds and flus and respiratory problems. Honey itself is a tremendously helpful remedy. So mixing up some of your elderberry tincture with some honey. Pre-making it is a great way to do it. Of course, the more country way to do it is to make elderberry jelly or elderberry jam. I live in uh, Saugerties, and Saugerties has one of the biggest garlic festivals in the world, and that's coming up next weekend, and one of the things that will be for sale at the garlic festival will be elderberry jam. All of the local people who have elderberry patches uh, lucky enough to have elderberry patches, we'll be making elderberry jam and we'll bring it to the fair for sale so that we can all have some elderberry jam or elderberry rob, as I learned to call it, to keep ourselves well during the winter. Here's a few um, studies that have been done. A, um, a study used elder to treat bacterial sinusitis and they weren't just using the herb, they were also using either an antibiotic, doxycycline or vibromycin and a decongestant. And interestingly enough, people who took the combination, people who had bacterial sinusitis and took an antibiotic, a decongestant and Elderberry did better than those who just took the drugs. Unfortunately, the product that was used contains herbs 
other than elderberry. In other words, it does contain elderberry, but it contains other herbs. So it's pretty hard to know whether or not just using elderberry alone would work. Are there any things that you need to watch out for? Well, yeah, don't use unripe or uncooked elderberries. Some people can uh, react to them as though they were quite poisonous with vomiting and diarrhea and other kinds of unpleasantness. And um, when you're using elder, either use a little bit if you want to use it on a daily basis, or if you're going to use a lot, limit your use. Um, some uncertainty about long-term use of large amounts of elderberry. And that makes sense to me because it's not a lot of elderberries. It's not like people are, are going to go out and make enough elderberry jam to have slathered on their toast every day of the year. No, we're going to make a couple of jars of elderberry jam. And if we have extra, share them with our neighbors. And we're going to save that for the deep of the winter, for that time when the kids are coming home and saying there's flu at school, from the time when everybody in the office is coughing. From the, For those kinds of times, that's what we're, we're going to save our elderberry for. There's always a question about can I use these kinds of herbs and drugs at the same time. And um, so... In the most cautious of all universes, we look at the kinds of actions that the herbs have, and then we say that you can't use that herb if it has that action, if you're already taking a drug that has that action, if you follow what I'm saying. So, for instance, say you are taking a diuretic or a water pill, and many people indeed are taking diuretics not just to um, deal with puffiness or edema, but because they have high blood pressure. Diuretics are frequently given to lower blood pressure. And because elder can act as a mild diuretic, the more cautious sources will say that you should not take it if you're taking a diuretic drug. The fact of the matter is that I, like most herbalists, um, at the present time, do not believe that drugs and herbs um, work the same even if the same words are used to apply to them. And this is because of what I was just saying. A drug is a single uh, acting thing. A diuretic is going to make you pee. That's it. It's one compound. It's doing one thing in your body. Whereas elderberry, although it may have a mild diuretic action, probably also has the opposite action as well because herbs are complex like human beings. We love and hate at the same time. And so I would not say, oh, don't take elderberry if you're taking a diuretic. I would say don't take elderberry daily if you're taking a diuretic. But, again, it's like a fruit. It is a fruit. It's not just like a fruit. It's a fruit. And so I often have people ask their doctors food questions rather than herb questions, not can I take elderberry, but is it safe for me to eat all berries? And if it's safe to eat all berries, then it is certainly safe to eat elderberries. Ditto, because elderberry improves the cell's ability to absorb um, insulin. Uh, people who are very conservative say, well, anybody who has diabetes then shouldn't use elderberry. Um, I guess what they're thinking is that they might get better and the drug companies would lose money. No. What they're afraid of is that, that you'll get an overdose of your drug. And so it kind of sounds like people are worried about protecting the drugs and the drug companies rather than actually creating health. So again, I, like the vast majority of herbalists and natural care practitioners, 
here at the beginning of the 21st century think that it's far better to get people to use plants than to use drugs. And if their use of plants causes their drugs to be too much and we have to get them off their drugs, oh, well, we're not so unhappy. Elderberry may react with some chemotherapy drugs. If you're undergoing chemotherapy, ask your oncologist. And again, ask a general question. Don't ask about herbs in general. Say either specifically, I want to take some elderberry because I hear it's good to prevent the flu and I'm worried I might get the flu. Or say, are there any berries I shouldn't eat? Elderberry uh, should not be taken with laxatives, the more conservative say, because it can act like the laxative. Again, no more so than saying you shouldn't take an apple. shouldn't eat an apple if you're taking a laxative. Elderberry can reduce levels of drugs that are taken for respiratory conditions. And again, we have to ask ourselves, is this bad news? Does this mean we should avoid elder? Because if we take elder, we're going to need less drugs for our respiratory problems. Not in my book. I just have to say, not in my book. These are not problems, although certainly I can see how some people could envision them to be that. Elderberry may increase the immune system's action, and it might then interfere with medications taken to suppress the immune system. And again, I find this rather outrageous. Foods are medicines. All foods have the ability to improve the functioning of the immune system so long as they are whole foods. Apples improve the functioning of the immune system. Are we actually going to say that you should not eat apples if you are taking drugs to suppress your immune system? I certainly have never heard any doctor say that. There are certainly herbs that are drug-like and should not be taken with drugs, but elderberry is a food-like herb. Would a uh, an elderberry, elderberry and garlic regimen be okay? What do you mean by regimen, and what do you mean by garlic? Garlic, as in like a like I've recently been taking a clove a day because someone recommended that, and that the Egyptians did that. That sometimes they prefer to be paid in garlic than gold, I guess, or whatever. That's some story. So I've been following that, and I've just been eating a clove a day. And it sounds like I need to add elderberry to that morning routine. So one of the problems that we see with people taking aspirin is that it can cause internal bleeding in the gut. Swallowing a whole clove of garlic can also cause internal bleeding. I see. If you want to eat garlic in the morning, here's a couple of ways to eat garlic in the morning. One of my teachers used to make us for breakfast when I stayed with him. He would cut up oranges from his orange tree. He lived in Florida. And then he would mince garlic. And he would usually mince one or two cloves of garlic per orange and scatter that over the oranges and then pour olive oil over the whole thing. And that would sit while we meditated, and then when we were done meditating, that would be our breakfast. Sounds yummy. That's a wonderful way to eat garlic. One of my preferred ways to eat garlic is to mince up a clove of garlic. There's a compound in garlic alanin, 
And when exposed to air, it becomes allicin, which is an active compound in the body. So it's really important to mince up the garlic and allow it to be exposed to air. I have been mincing it. Eating the whole garlic clove, you don't get any allicin. I see. I have been mincing it, chopping it up and... Okay, good. And I like to spread it on a piece of buttered toast or toast with olive oil. Mm-hmm. Yes, I just I've been taking it with a glass of water straight. Mm, it's I a was, little harsh on your system, but then again, men thrive when tortured. I guess. <laughs> My I was uh, I was married to a Russian Orthodox lady, and mm. that they pushed garlic all the time everywhere. So that's sort of where I learned to eat it. I'm not such a pushy person. Okay. I'm more of a, a support, nourish, and take care of person rather than a burn and push and and remount person. I see. All right. Good info. Thank you. Yeah. You are welcome. And we have come to the end of our show. So I will be back with Daniel Michael next week, and we will say goodbye to the trees of the 13 means and say goodbye to Elder next week. Yes. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you all for helping me to restore herbal medicine as people's medicine. It's the medicine of the people, by the people, and for the people. Good night. Thank thank you. Good night. Mother, help me. Mother, heal me. Please release me. From all things worldly that do not serve me, Mother, love me, Mother, help me, Mother, heal me, please release me from all things worldly. That do not serve me Mother Love me With these tones I feel the
Mother, these chains are fine. I'm gonna break. 